are supported by the Columbus Craft Cocktail Tour. It's not just a bar crawl. Columbus's first and only cocktail tour where you will get a front row bar stool to techniques, recipes, insider info, and even a little cocktail and spirits history lesson. Think of it as being at the chef's table, but for cocktails. You get to visit three premier cocktail bars where you'll receive a mixology lesson, dedicated Q&A with the bartenders, bar snacks, and of course, a delicious cocktail. It's perfect for birthdays, bachelorette parties, team building, date nights, or just a night out with friends. Also a great gift for that hard-to-buy-for person in your life. Visit ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com for tickets, tour dates, and gift cards. Remember to stay cocktail curious. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims. Brent Carter, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So you are the co-founder of Make and Metal, and which I love your tagline is <laughs> cocktail evangelist bringing you the good news about booze. Thank you. Here to spread the good news about booze. <laughs> so you guys make syrups, elixirs, mixers, and shrubs. But other than that, what do we need to know about you, Brent Carter? Uh, well, uh, the, specifically with the business, it was founded by Jennifer Bryan and I, um, and we are friends from college. So we've known each other for a few years uh, and we've been in contact uh, since going to college and uh, have both been associated with the hospitality industry uh, throughout the years. Jennifer is an event planner, used to be a caterer, and I've worked in restaurants for a long time. Whenever we would get together, we'd make cocktails, talk about cocktails, talk about cocktail development, tweak each other's recipes. And uh, that sort of just grew and morphed into uh, a business together. Um, and we call ourselves an omni-cocktail business. So that means we don't want to eliminate any aspect of, of the cocktails. If, if it's associated with cocktails, uh, we have an opinion about it. So that includes acts to go with cocktails, rims, uh, glassware, tools. Uh, and even we've recently started getting into um, planning bourbon getaway weekends in Louisville. So spirit-specific tourism and planning that for folks. We're super excited about that because we get asked all the time to plan uh, visits to the bourbon trail for people. And it takes a lot of time. And we're going to stop doing that and just send them to you guys. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's great. It's really um, usually with those, uh, we will do a whiskey tasting and involve some uh, whiskey education directly with us and the people. So it's always a ton of fun uh, to meet new people, especially people that enjoy whiskey and uh, to and enjoy drinking whiskey with us. So do you drive them around? We hire uh, uh, company buses or, or what have you. To, so we can we can take it. We can do any level of service. So if you're looking for us to uh, pick, be picked up at the airport and you're every minute planned until the time you go back to the airport, we can do that. Uh, or if you're just looking for basic, we can give you pointers um, and hook you up with a, our, what our opinion is the, the better tours in the area or uh, events. Um, like we had a group that came in and they wanted to do zip lining, uh, and we steered them towards uh, zip lining in a cave because they have um, limestone waters, quartz caves in, in the Louisville area. So, uh, there's an underground zip, zip line tour uh, that we were able to steer them towards. That's on our list still. We, we haven't done that one, but that is on our list for when we visit down there. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So, we got to taste some of your um some of your products and they were amazing. Uh, 
I love your shrubs for sure. I'm a big shrub fan, uh, but, but everything we have was really, really wonderful. So you guys are doing a great job. So is that something that are you two developing those together or does one of you yeah. kind of spearhead those projects or how does that work? We both, um, I, everything's a collaboration. I know I always remember, um, I think it was Paul McCartney was talking about all of his songs are the Beatles songs are Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Even if John Lennon wasn't in the room when it was written, he could hear John Lennon's voice and his influence. And so it was always a collaboration. That's really the way I feel about collaborating with Jennifer. We, um, we went to school, um, at the University of Evansville, uh, in their theater department. So we have a common, um, like a common uh, creative process uh, and theater is a collaborative art. That's what our, our undergraduate mm-hmm. degree was in. So we're, we really do collaborate. We have a foundation of collaboration together. Uh, and I, I say everything we do is collaboration. Um, and uh, we've been doing it long enough that it, it is funny that we can sit down and um, I was just thinking about this earlier. We can discuss uh, a cocktail. Like, oh, I'm thinking about really inspired by whatever um, gin, vermouth or what have you and wonder how it would play with this and just through talking through the cocktail we can get pretty close to a recipe uh, just through that collaborative process and then one of us will make it and and tweak it a little if it needs it. That's awesome. Yeah that's a great very cool great partnership to have. So Brent where are you located? I live in uh, the far western suburbs of Chicago. Um, I lived in Chicago for right after college I moved to, to Chicago. I lived there for about 20 years. And then uh, moved out to the suburbs to have a kid. So I'm in St. Charles, um, Illinois. uh, It's a small town, 35,000 people. um, And there's a commuter line that goes into Chicago. uh, And it ends out here. As far as as you can be from Chicago and still falsely claim that you live in Chicago. Yeah. So are you closer to Chicago or to Iowa at that point? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're closer to Chicago, but it's, I mean, the cornfields are starting out here. So I grew up in Southern Indiana, um, in Columbus, Indiana. Uh, Jennifer's was in Louisville in Southern Indiana. And this area reminds me a lot of, um, of that area because there is, there is significant limestone around here. Uh, and there's, uh, the Fox River runs through. And so there's a valley, actually hills, um, and some natural beauty that's missing in most of Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's nice. So what do you, what is your day job? I work at a restaurant here um, called Nobel House, and uh, I'm a bartender, server, manager. Uh, pretty, I always say I'll, I'll do anything for money. And then I have an eight-year-old daughter, uh, and I'm a, sort of a daytime caregiver for her. Very nice. Cool. So um, how did COVID affect Nobel House? The funny thing is my, my wife and I have been together for 11 years now, um, and uh, we got married on March 13th. Um, because it was our 10 year anniversary. Uh, it was the Friday the 13th, which I think is funny. Uh, we were literally on the, Jennifer was with us. We were in the car headed downtown for our um, wedding dinner uh, when the state issued the shutdown order. So it was, oh, wow. so the restaurant closed in uh, and it was closed, I think through uh, May when we opened back up and started doing just uh, carry out and delivery until uh, sort of the middle of the end of May. And then we were able to open up service in the restaurant. And the, the city actually shut the street down and put a tent out because there are several restaurants around. So we were able to, to have service. It was 
uh, about a block away. So we had to carry food a block to the to serve people. So it was a little challenging, but at least there was some things. Wow. There. When the shutdown happened, you pivoted to carry out. Did you also go to to go cocktails? Was that allowed in Illinois? Yeah, we did to go cocktails, and then you could also we could do growler sales from our beer. Um, the restaurant has about thirty two draft lines. Um, so when it shut down, we had thirty two kegs of beer plus backups uh, in the in the cooler that we needed to move through. Fortunately, they bent the, the liquor laws, and it, as far as I know, they're still bent. Um, we can do cocktails in in uh, growlers. So, how much support did you receive from the government? Well, it was a little tricky. I had I had never uh, gone on unemployment in in my life, and so I, I probably held off applying for unemployment um, for longer than I should have, and, and needed my savings. Uh, and, and by the time I applied for for unemployment, that was a a, a very fun process. Um, but I was I was on unemployment for a while. Um, as far as the what the restaurant received, they had the PPP loans. Um, I don't. I don't know a lot of details about what else they uh, received other than the uh, to-go license um, expansion. So there was there was that support. One thing that was really difficult for me was uh, when we did open back up and started having service inside. Uh, was me making the decision that I could either go back to work and I didn't count as a frontline worker and I didn't qualify for a vaccine and even if I did at the time, but I had to go to work at a place for eight hours around people that weren't wearing masks. Now, there are very few other industries that I think were subjected to that. And maybe dentistry is the only other place where you're gonna be, have to be around people without masks on. So that was uh, a little tricky. And knowing that if I didn't go back to work, I could lose unemployment. So it was uh, a very difficult decision. And I kind of just came to terms with the fact that uh, uh, not, if I was going to get COVID, it was when I was going to get COVID. And I, I did. I got COVID this March, actually. So right before I was able. And and that's such a balance because then you also have an eight-year-old at home that can't get vaccinated. Mm. Yeah. That's so tough. And it, it's the situation that we were in. And that, that's one area where I don't think that we got, it, specifically the hospitality industry did not get support from not only the government, but from the community. And that uh, I would start to have this conversation with people and they would say, well, I understand, but you're just, you're not an essential worker. I'm like, if, if I have to go to work, I am an essential worker. Like, that, right, that's, right. It's not that you can't live without my services, but if my job is open and I have to go to work, that, that puts me in a category where I should be put in front of life for vaccinations. Oh, absolutely. That was, so, I had a lot of anger with that and, and difficulty dealing. Yeah, it's tough. It's such a polarizing issue, but um, we do have some restaurants and bars here who are requiring uh, proof of vaccination. We're requiring everyone on our, our cocktail tour to be vaccinated. Um, and I was, I read an open letter from Catoctin Creek in Virginia where they were having an event and they said, listen, if you're not vaccinated, please uh, come to an event after COVID is over, but we cannot take the risk. Um, so I thought that was very smart. Yeah, nobody likes it, but we're all dealing with it and just have to do what we can. So what's your favorite cocktail, Brent? Uh, pint glass of Malord. Pint glass of Malord. Malord. It's a Chicago spirit. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this. So yeah. tell us about this. 
So Malort is a it's a wormwood or it's very bitter and astringent and tastes somewhat of either gasoline or nail polish remover. Um, but it's kind of the Chicago handshake is a, a, a shot of, of Malort. And it's one of my favorite things. We have it behind the bar and we hear people like mention Malort and I just automatically pull it out and give a little taste to everyone because it's, it gets, you get really great reactions. So when I, I learned of this, I think last year, and it was from someone on our cocktail tour and the wife I think was from Chicago and they had mentioned it. And I was like, I I've never heard of this. And they were like, she's, he said, Oh, you have to try it when you're in Chicago. And she said, no, do not try it. It's awful. It's the worst yeah. thing on earth. So you say no good. Uh, well, I mean, I like it. I, um, there was, uh, one of the places I worked in Chicago, our chip, we could get a beer and a shot of Malort as our chip drink. So I, I had enough Malort that I killed all my taste buds, I think. So now <laughs> Is that like, uh, so here in Columbus, it seems like all of the bartenders do a shot of Fernet. Is Fernet, yeah. Is that the similar? That's the Chicago version of that. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of Fernet that's consumed by bartenders in okay. the Chicago area, but it's yeah, it's very regional, region specific. That is so funny. Are you planning to make any sort of elixir or shrub that pairs well with the uh, Malord? I I don't think there's anything that pairs. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I did. I made a cocktail once where I used it as a bitters, but uh, it's a it's a tricky flavor profile. At your restaurant, do you did you um, did you create the cocktail menu there? Uh, there are uh, there is one cocktail on there that uses a uh, make and muddle. It's just a pretty straightforward honey lavender lemonade. Um, but uh, otherwise, they had uh, it's a local chain. There are two locations. They already had house cocktails in place. Um, I do develop um, special cocktails when they're looking for for cocktails there, uh, and then making muddle. That's one of the things that we offer is a um, uh, spirits consultation, and so we have. That I'm actually enjoying a um, cocktail I'm I'm working on right now um, for a fall menu, and this has uh, gin. I think I used a few breakfast gin, uh, and then cardamaro. And then um, we have a spiced cherry vanilla syrup, and I made a stout reduction and split it half and half with that. So it, it almost tastes like a, uh, an, an Amaro, kind of like um, uh, uh, Amaro Montenegro had a cherry flavor. It, it mm. like takes me right into that Amaro Montenegro world. What's your favorite spirit to work with? Um, I like I enjoy working with with everything. To be honest, gin is pretty. Uh, I find it a little easier to work with because it's uh, pretty upfront with its botanicals, and it's easy to get inspired when you when you taste a new gin. I mean, I am whiskey is probably my favorite spirit in general, so I always enjoy developing mm-hmm. uh, whiskey cocktails because I get to drink more whiskey when I do that. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I also uh, tequila is probably my so it's probably. Bourbon, tequila, and gin are my three favorites. Me too. Well, you have amazing taste. <laughs> Why, thank you. I think you're the first person who's ever told me that. <laughs> How did Make and Muddle transition during the last year? What did we you really do? We were, um, right before the shutdown, we were focused on, um, you know, we are cocktail evangelists spreading the good news about new booze, and we felt the best way to do that is in person. So we were 
working with bars and restaurants to um, host cocktail classes. So we would basically come in with our mixers. Uh, a lot of we are trying to partner with distilleries uh, or uh, distributors and then develop cocktails and teach people how to make cocktails using the the product, our products and their products. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had done a few of those and then the shutdown happened and um, we had been working with um, a ticketing, an online ticketing platform in Louisville called Red Pen Ticks. And um, they actually contacted us and they said, hey, we're looking for people to develop online content, uh, online events, because their their business was totally gone because they're selling um, you know tickets for events that couldn't happen. Uh, we had events that couldn't happen, so we were able to transport for to doing uh, Zoom cocktail classes. Brilliant. So within a couple of weeks, we we had exponential growth. Um, and I was, I mean, I couldn't have been working a, another job because we were so busy, um, you know, developing content, um, advertising, shipping packages, because uh, we put together put together a cocktail kit and send it to the people in their homes. Uh, and, and it was really fun because it was people across the country. Uh, we had people in Jacksonville, Florida, in um, the Carolinas, in New Orleans, California, um, but all together on a Zoom meeting and we're all making cocktails together. So that was really, we, we were fortunate that we were able to pivot and, and get that in place. And that really carried us through, um, through till the summer, till, the, till everything reopened again. That's awesome. Now, is that still an option? Because that sounds like a lot of fun, even, you know, even if we can go out. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of moved um, and we'll do a class for anyone. All the information's on our website. We can gear the class towards. Um, we had a really fun class on tiki cocktails. Uh, we started out with just like basics, shaken, stirred, um, then moved mm-hmm. into like porch pounders, tiki. Uh, glad we did a glassware class that was really fun. Um, I always wanted to do a champagne class because you know, outside of whiskey, I also enjoy drinking champagne. So me too. It's like oh my we're God. the same the, person. The two of you would get along at any bar, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that. So, they're still available. It's we've had less demand for um, personal classes, individual classes. But we are growing our, our corporate classes. So like corporate team building, uh, we've done a lot of work with Humana. Um, we had a Keller Williams uh, real estate agent that uh, a big Christmas party for uh, clients. And we sent packages out to all the clients. So everybody got together and, and made cocktails. That was a ton of fun. So awesome. it seems our corporate events are, are growing. Um, and that's it's a lot of fun. Everybody, I mean, Friday afternoon, everybody's got out of work a little bit early do a work function that involves we do mocktails and and cocktails that's good because a lot of people the mocktails that's that's pretty big right now and it's great i mean um getting to feel like you're included and and having a nice uh well-balanced drink that doesn't have alcohol i mean nothing wrong with that that's one one of uh my philosophy toward our mixer is that it's a spirit-free liqueur. So it's not just a strawberry syrup. It's strawberry basil, pink peppercorn. There's lemon juice and there's white balsamics. There's a lot of complexity there. And mm-hmm. we keep the spirits out so that you either can put your choice of spirit in that or you can turn it into a delicious mocktail. Even if you just add soda, maybe a little bit more lemon juice. Or we also have recipes that are more complex and that are actually cocktails made without spirits. 
so that and that's awesome. definitely our philosophy is it, everybody has a seat at the table and nobody wants to feel left out everybody you know there's a special thing about a cocktail and sharing time together with people over a cocktail uh and that if just because you're not drinking a spirit you shouldn't be left out there's a seat at the table for you agreed so what is your what is your website brent the make a metal website it's a uh, makeandmuddle.com, www.makeandmuddle.com. Uh, and that has all of our product. Uh, we also, um, I mean, we are here to spread the good news. So all of our recipes are posted on there, broken up. You can find them by season. You can find them by uh, spirit. You can find them by mixer. Um, so we are constantly putting recipes on there. Uh, I just developed a bourbon slush recipe that uh, or uh, apple cider slush recipe. We have a bourbon slush recipe, but the uh, apple cider slush recipe is going to go on there soon. Mm. Some of our newer uh, mixers don't have as many recipes just because we haven't worked with them, but they're constantly growing and, and changing and, and we put them up there because we want, if we think it's delicious, we want you to experience it as well. And uh, there are no secrets. So do you have swag that includes your tagline? Because I would buy that. We don't have... The cocktail evangelist here to spread good news about booze. Our swag has hashtag cheers y'all. Uh, we can certainly uh, cheers y'all. I like yeah. that. I think you should because I I we were talking about your tagline before we got started and we were uh, wishing that we had thought of it. So <laughs> I would totally buy a shirt and wear it on our cocktail tours. That would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, the tagline grew out of. Um, organically out of Jennifer and I talking about like our specific point of view about um, cocktails and not only cocktails, but about just our upbringing. And we both have, I was raised in, uh, we were both raised in somewhat of a Baptist household. I was raised American Baptist. Um, and just that uh, the the revival, we were in the process of, of developing a book and book would be called revival. It's about reviving the cocktail hour, but definitely having this attitude of, you know, spreading the good news about booze. I love that. I, I might go to that church. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> I go to any other, but I might go to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, me either. But the uh, 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 communion would be, have to be champagne, right? It would still technically be wine. It, right. Right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Absolutely. So typically in our podcast we ask our bartender to make a cocktail to share with us which we've got something to drink with here and you've obviously got something that you're sipping on over there uh and then we ask tell us a good bar story it could be seedy it could be funny it could be gross it could be whatever you want whatever is your favorite bar story when I get put on the spot, it's hard to remember. It's my my wife is a veterinarian, and this makes me think of. Um, we went to a wedding, and um, she was somebody asked her, "So, what's the most unusual pet story you have?" And she's like, "Well, you know, I had a um, I had a uh, client who brought in an albino ferret." I was like, "That is not your most unusual pet story." <laughs> <laughs> we had might have some, been the most unusual pet, but not the yeah. most unusual pet story people get freaky about their pets and she had somebody that, that had a, a dead dog that they dressed in a clown outfit. That's, that's your most unusual story. So oh if she, were here, <laughs> <laughs> she could tell me uh, what my most unusual story is. Um, I mean, St. Patrick's day is always, I don't work St. Patrick's there. I don't work St. Patrick's day. I try not to work. 
um, New Year's Eve and I try not to work uh, Halloween um, because those seem to be the three days where those stories happen. Uh, and it's either something happens at the bar or it's something me dealing with the day and going out to the bar afterward. Something happens with me. Um, <laughs> I try to avoid those. And it's they're typical. There was, I mean, one St. Patrick's Day, it was 10 a.m. and there was already someone that had fallen off the, the bar stool and was puking on the floor. Uh, and then uh, the busser walked up and somebody had actually hit their pants and tried to flush their underwear down the toilet in the downstairs basement. So the basement oh, thank God. bathroom was flooded. Um, and that was last St. Patrick's Day hour. Oh, God, that's horrible. That's the second poop story we've had on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. So being in Chicago, that's an awesome um, city for the industry. Aside from your bar, what's your favorite bar in Chicago? Well, and and I'm in St. Charles. Um, There is in the suburbs. There's a really great place in Glen Ellen called Common Good. Uh, and that was started by one of the the folks from uh, Longman and Eagle in Chicago, which that that's one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. A lot of places in Chicago, I'm really depressed. One of my favorite places was Mod's Liquor, liquor bar on Randolph Street, and it closed because of COVID. And there's so many places mm-hmm. in, in Chicago that have, that have closed. I mean, you know, Michelin-starred restaurants have closed because they weren't able to survive COVID. Mm-hmm. I've only been back to Chicago a couple of times since, since the shutdown. Uh, and that's one thing I really miss. Cause I do, I love Chicago. I, I want to live there again. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm out here and I can with my daughter and give uh, her the attention that, that she needs uh, that I would not have if I lived in Chicago, but uh, I really do miss Chicago. And I draw a lot of inspiration from going to all the bars and restaurants. Uh, Billy Sunday is another really great, restaurant the whistler um just the classic cocktail joints um and i I really do miss going there and and tasting delicious food yeah we love chicago it's Mm -hmm. such a great city every time we go we're like why don't we live here it's just so so amazing when are you going to come visit us in columbus i was just i when you were talking about chicago i was thinking i haven't been to columbus um uh in my i don't think i've ever been there but definitely not my adult life i haven't been there and i I definitely want to stop by i know i did when i was in college i went to cincinnati a few times um to see uh is bogart's there is that the venue i don't remember there was a venue there that i'll uh, yeah 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 down on the river but Mm -hmm. uh i have never been to columbus uh and uh i definitely want to try it out um because it's just like Probably Milwaukee. I don't know if you've been to Milwaukee before. Tons of no. fun, and it's it's like um, Chicago's little sister, but it's so much easier. Chicago is easy for a big city. Chicago is super easy, and um, Milwaukee is is even easier to get around and get to the lakefront to do things. And uh, the baseball stadium there, it's just a lot of fun. The thing about Columbus is the people. The people here are are really great. Um, I think that's my favorite part. Yeah. Neither of us are, are from here, but we didn't move away. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. We would love for you guys to come up and uh, do a cocktail tour with us. It's a fun city. Don't believe what you hear that it's a boring cow town because that is not the truth. Well, the thing I found about, I grew up, my hometown is Columbus, Indiana, but I grew up in a boring town and you have to make your own fun. It's, that's the best 
fun that you can have is when you're. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Brent Carter, thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Oh, Best of luck to you in uh, in Illinois. And uh, we look forward to seeing you here in Columbus sometime. Columbus, oh, Ohio, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. And thanks for helping me spread the good news about booze. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cheers. 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 Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates, women and whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise. And if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.